Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com the nba finals are heating up looking for hot takes on all the postseason action the old man and the three presented by bmw is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage host and former nba sharpshooter jj reddick not only has a plugged in perspective on the action from his time in the league but he's also announcing the games in real time for espn J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Today's episode, it's all things playoff selection. What went right? What went wrong? And can we actually, at the end of this podcast, all say something nice? Hi, welcome to the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. Let's do this. Field is set, gentlemen. I know we're all looking forward to the big matchup. Louisiana versus Tulane in the Cure Bowl. Yeah, baby. They don't need to be Lafayette anymore. They're just Louisiana. Yeah, man. Are the people of Lafayette angry that the school just ditched them? There's an identity crisis there that needs to be covered. I think the the reporters in the Baton Rouge Advocate that covered that uh, pacemaker push so well, they need to go get on that. That's got to be in their readership, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mike, where is the Cure Bowl? It doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, what the hell is the cure? I mean, are they making all the people from the state of Louisiana for these two schools leave the state to go to no. the cure bowl? Like, why don't they just play it at, you know, Natchitoches High School? I Nobody actually think it's t- charity based, so we probably should pick on another sponsor. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like searching for a cure to something. I, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's well, on CBS. Be a li- it could be a little more, uh, it could be a little more uh, inf- informative in their name. <laughs> This sounds like the human fund. Like, you're not in favor of curing? I mean, I don't think this game even exists. I think somebody sold ESPN on this, said, give us a million bucks. We'll show the Cure Bowl. And then it doesn't actually get on TV, but no one notices. And ESPN forgets that it bought it. And there's like a bowl director, like living in a mansion on a dirt road outside of cut off Louisiana with all the loot. <laughs> that's what I it's like when Akron bailed on Nebraska. That's what I think's happening here. 
The uh, the game is in Orlando, it appears. So everybody from this neighborhood scrap in Louisiana is being moved to Orlando, where indeed I'm sure is an ESPN owned bowl, and like somebody who's the 13th VP at Disney will come over and uh, oversee the proceedings. So it's actually on CBS Sports Network, uh, probably the only bowl not owned by ESPN, uh, at least amongst the, the degenerate set. And um, or it's it on ESPN and they sold it to them. But it is uh, it's the only NSA bowl game with a single charity beneficiary with funds going to breast cancer research. All so right. really, Dan, okay. you just should have picked on the bad boy Gasparilla <laughs> Bowl. I mean, really, like, come on. Of all that, uh, the bowls, you've written books about this. and You can't have to pick the breast cancer charity bowl. All come right. on. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Good job, Cure Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll make fun of that one that's named after the the the, uh, the office park or the, the industrial park near O'Hare. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. a nice bowl. That's a good camping one. world, like yeah. camping world, something else. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to the real stuff. Alabama, Oklahoma in Miami, Clemson, Notre Dame in Arlington, Texas. Georgia came in five, lost out to Oklahoma. Ohio State, six, no shot. Michigan, seven, UCF, eight. I found UCF at eight to just be uninspired and kind of insulting. You know, a couple years ago, Ohio State got all this credit because they're third. They won with a third string quarterback. Ohio, UCF won with a second. Could have jumped. And they scored like sixty eight. Could have jumped the corpse of Michigan. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's that's that, bad I on agree. you, committee. That that is insulting. To I mean, not what even the heck? The They've won twenty five straight games, and they can't be ahead of Michigan. <laughs> Michigan, which I mean, was nudged 62 to whatever in their last performance. Does it even so. matter? This is just like a this is like just an insult to injury. It's like kicking the shins, man. All right, anyway, Pat, I know you have complaints. Oh, no one cares about these other ones. I know you have complaints. What should have happened in the top four, and why did it not happen? Embrace yourself. I think the, my man is going to rev it up here. <laughs> well... What happened is the establishment didn't establishment thing. You know, all of these guys that are the good soldiers, administrators of college sports, the the ADs who make all the big decisions and the big money and the former coaches and whoever else they put in the room there, they did the safe, comfortable, risk-averse thing, which is all college football has always been about, safe, comfortable, risk-averse. They took, took Oklahoma over Georgia – because taking Georgia would have been controversial for a bunch of reasons. It would have given us a minority of the Power Five conferences in the playoff, and we can't have that because the big boys have got to have their spot. Uh, we have a snubbing, not necessarily snubbing, but a, a diminution of the SEC uh Hegemony here, where the SEC could have had half the field for the second straight year. People would have lost their minds about that. They avoided that. Uh, we have the embrace of the old conference champion. So important. Got to have that conference champion in there, even though it is a really archaic and uh, often just meaningless uh, superlative. The Big Ten champion, by the way, now has not made it for three straight playoffs. And most of all, in my opinion, we had kindergarten math. We have 
one loss is better than two losses. We have the zero loss teams that are all at the beginning, except for UCF because they're not in the big boys club. And then we have the one loss team, but we can't have the two loss team ahead of the one loss team no matter what, because that's the way college football has always been since 1936 when they started the polls. So what we had, we had the easy choice, we had the safe choice, we had the least controversial choice. We also had the wrong choice. Georgia is one of the four best teams in the country. They showed it in an incredible game against Alabama. They played Alabama way closer than anybody else has all year. They should have probably won the game. They did not, but they should have. They were the better team on the field for most of that game. And they're not going to get a chance to play again now in the playoff because they didn't finish the deal. But Oklahoma gets a chance now to go out and get dump trucked by Alabama that's going to score on every single possession in Jerry World. Now, before we get into the finer, I do want to explore this math thing. Okay. Okay. Because it really is. I, I don't know what it is about college football. It's just obsessed with the zero. They put a committee in because the voters were even more obsessed. The yeah. voters just went right. straight. Ma- and I, I do not think that the people who put out, like, say, NFL power rankings on the Internet are necessarily, like, the most genius people in America. <laughs> Yet somehow they have figured out, like, just because, like, the Patriots lose to, like, Tennessee after winning nine in a row, it doesn't really mean that much. Like, eh, things happen, right? Like, they have no problem with this. How is everyone else able – I'm not even arguing on this specific case, but what is it about this? The only time the math doesn't matter is if you're UCF. Everything else <laughs> like – I mean, look at this thing. It's like one, one, zero, 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 one, 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 two, 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 two. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's it's simply just, yes, who got through their their schedule – in the best order. Doesn't matter how hard the schedule was. It's, it's just the poll. The it's schedule. the old poll mentality that it seeped is. into college football. And the poll is the dumbest thing. In 1936, you could not watch any game other than one you attended. The poll was a joke. It was a j- they. Those guys who started that poll back then had no idea that they would influence. Like we're almost up on a century of college yeah. football. Like a century later, the eighty-two technolog- years, baby. Like, hey, put, hey, every once in a while, every week, just send a vote in over the telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did did Army win? Uh, yeah, they okay. Army's good. I, I worked for the Lubbock Avalanche. Right? Have you ever seen Army? Nah, but I was in the Army. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with this thing? All right, Pete. What did the committee get wrong, if anything? And uh, why? To prompt a rant like that from Pat, I feel like they got everything right. I, I believe <laughs> I, I know we keep careful statistics on our uh, fine podcast. We're approaching episode fifty, by the way, which is kind of scary. Oh, um, really? I think wow. that's the longest rant in podcast history. Dan, would you agree with that? That Pat just know. went on. I kind of dozed off. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was looking something up, and then like I was drinking. Yeah, I was checking yeah. some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so props to them for, for, for getting Pat there. And, and I do agree. I want to point out uh, the, the, the little funny moment of my day. So I basically tried to distill Pat's argument there and, and what he wrote in his column. I thought his column was great off of uh, off of everything today. And uh, 
when he basically called out the establishment for being bland and unimaginative. So I tweeted today, remember, these ADs aren't exactly risk takers. And if you saw that mug of Rob Mullins for six straight weeks on the team, that isn't exactly a guy who, who screams like bold, anti-establishment visionary. Um, he actually is an accountant by trade. So anyway, uh, so I tweeted, ADs aren't exactly risk takers. And uh, Greg Byrne, the Alabama AD, subtweeted me and said, ADs aren't risk-takers. What are you talking about? I once swam only five minutes after eating. <laughs> and then That's his wife chimed good. in later saying he ran with scissors. So wow. you really, you really have uh, – you don't have a bunch of guys happy to be making a million bucks a year and not doing much. You obviously have a bunch of bold visionaries who should be leading our country into the, uh, into the future. So mm-hmm. here, here's the thing. I – I, I hate to be as bland as them, but this is what I assumed was going to happen. Now, part was because I didn't have the faith in them having, like, the, the macro vision. And they certainly didn't have the onions to, like, completely flip the sport on its head. Uh, I don't know if I ever really settled on uh, on Georgia. I was certainly impressed by the way they played. I agree 10,000% that they would give Alabama a better game than what Oklahoma will. That game will be, like, fun for a half. And then... Kyler Mario gets sacked from behind and turn the ball over, and all of a sudden it's going to be like 38-21. And, uh, you know, I, I bet there'll be prop bets in Vegas for the number of punts that uh, that Alabama has. And the over-under will be like one and a half. Uh, I mean, yeah. Under. I, I'm taking the under. You got the under. Wow. Yeah. Michigan State sh- sh- weeps. <laughs> Mark D'Antonio will watch this game. How do you, how do you get both game. punters in if you only punt once? <laughs> yeah. Mark D'Antonio will watch this game in a darkened room, drinking a bottle of – drawing bubbles off a bottle of Jack. <laughs> what happened to my sport? Where are the punts? You know, where's it, the field position battle? It, in a way, uh, where's the field position battle is the perfect segue into, like, the reality of these semis. Like – they're not great games, which is the perfect way to cap off what's not been a great season. Now, sure, yeah. the season's been great, and I love the season. I'm not some wet blanket. But in terms of, like, high-end drama and big-time yeah. matchups. All right. It I'm a, sucked. Like a, it sucked. There's been, like, no good games. Yeah. There's been very little drama. Yeah. Till exactly. I got the SEC championship, which yes. you can't have again because that's too much drama. Too yes. much drama. Yes. <laughs> you will not have fun. You will eat your vegetables. You will be in bed by 930. Um, that was basically the, uh, that was basically the message. I'd be curious if they played again on a neutral field, what the point spread would be. I would think it would be because it was what 14 in the last game, 13 and a half, 13 and a half. Yeah. Should I should be seven at the most. I would think, yeah, I would think it would have to be like six and a half. And, uh, I guess Saban said on ESPN that Tua has a high ankle and he's only going to be out two weeks. Um, certainly Nick could be being cagey on us, but, um, it would not be beyond him to do that. But the, the impression I got yesterday from talking to some folks in Tuscaloosa was that it was not, you know, there was not like an overwhelming cloud of doom for some type of season ending injury. So good. We all want Tua back. We all love Tua. Tua is great. Um, but I just think like we're going to, the drum beat into these games and the excitement level for these games is going to mirror the season, which is a little bit like, okay, I'm going to watch and I'm going to like it. But like, you are not giddy. If it was Alabama-Georgia part two, I mean, you would – Pat, you were you were going to go to that game. You would be giddy, right? Sure. I mean, I, I just say they played in – the, in the 2018 calendar year, they played two unbelievable games against each other. Yes. Why do we not want more of that? I'll take yes. it. Give it to it's me. It's a second loss, Pat. Yeah. It's a second loss. That's, that's it. I mean, it's uh, – That's it. 
Well, it sets up Alabama. How, how close Clemson. does anybody else come to Alabama? Yeah. It sets up Alabama Clemson four, which I'm excited for. And <laughs> sure, I, that'll I, be good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that. You know, it's an interesting topic, like, to kick around. Clemson doesn't have any national resonance. Like, for TV, they don't rate well. Like, Alabama has obviously turned into, like, a ratings monster. Ohio State's a ratings monster. USC does well. Notre Dame does well. America doesn't really care about Clemson. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I just, it's one of those, like, and it's obviously, like, it's a regional school, and it, it doesn't have small this, state. like, what was that? Small state. Yeah, yeah small state, not a lot of, you know, one of the, Ohio State has, like, five massive cities in, in the state, you know, so there, obviously there's a huge inherent inherent population there. But anyway, I just, fa- I found that interesting uh, in, in making some calls around where, like, TV would actually not be giddy for Clemson to be in the title game like oh, obviously they they'd rather Alabama. Yeah. They'd oh, rather, yeah oh god yeah yes even if that's only a game for a quarter again so. yeah then we're looking for AJ McCarron's girlfriend again yes so. <laughs> I she's think, got like um, 11 mentions on our podcast this year yeah so. yeah does, so uh, Dan what's your thought we what I, I want your opinion on the uh, the playoff resolution here well I think I was like Pete I was just resolved I mean I yeah. I, I read your column on Saturday night and Herb Street went Herb Street was as good as I've ever heard him. Like he he made it kind of fun. He was yeah. all in. He's like, I'd move Georgia up to three, and uh, I thought that part was good. I just wasn't a dreamer like you guys. I'm just a cold, yeah, well, my no. cold dark heart is. Just, <laughs> I'm like these people are not doing this. For you, romantic. <laughs> I was not surprised. I just thought it was wrong. You and Herbie were just dreaming. I, I mean, look, at. I said last week on the podcast, there were two and a half playoff teams, okay? And I said, I'm going to give Georgia a chance to show me. They showed me. So there's three and a half playoff teams. So I would have gone just with Herbie, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, then Notre Dame. I wouldn't even have the rematch. I, you know, I would have done that. Um, if, if we're talking about the four best teams, which is the point. Now, I also believe we should have like one computer – so that we all know what's going in. We're not going to do that because we can't even figure out how many losses matter. Uh, and we're, we're going to do other stuff. But I just look – I mean, that committee is beige. It is just boring. <laughs> Whoever gets – college sports alone has no almost no interesting administrators. Like, there's no – it is a bunch of people who started as, like, the assistant intern at the ticket department somewhere and, and just wanted to hang out and go to games – and they've built their career, and now they're like, dude, I'm getting paid like a million bucks a year to be the AD. I ain't causing any waves. <laughs> right. The book, like, the book on all their crap. desks, it says lay low and don't make the big mistake. Don't do anything. <laughs> Shut up. That's why they all stand, and everybody's just like, we're making money. We ain't got to pay these. I ain't going to say anything. I ain't do anything. I mean, and, and once you're in the club, you can't get out. I mean, what was the the Maryland guy got caught at Georgia with like a DUI and someone else's red panties on the staff, and he just gets hired by Maryland, like another million bucks, right? Jeff Long does bad job at Arkansas. Hey, one point five at Kansas. Why not? Like it is, you're on the train. So these guys, and then all the people they hire, um. It's just like they're going to put on this committee are just going to be, you know, it's just the it is the establishment of these. I once went to the A.D. convention. Uh, They had me speak. I spoke at the A.D. convention. I was on a panel. Is there video of this? I don't know. 
Uh, <laughs> it was the title of your speech. You all suck. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I, you guys invited me. Uh, I was there. I can't even remember what the speech was. I think Walken might have been there. I don't even know. Uh, I can't remember. But anyways, down to Orlando. And so after they had like, a, you know, all the people went to the, the lobby to drink. And I was just like, this is the boringest party. <laughs> it, was, it was like all nope. these people drinking, like sipping on like a, a, a Mick Ultras. Just <laughs> talking about crap. I was like, this is so boring. Like little little different than at ABCD camp and TNAC yeah. at the Hilton, Dan. <laughs> and everyone's oh, yeah. like, oh, getting tired. It's like 10 o'clock. They're all, yeah. I got a, I got a 6 a.m., uh, you know spin class or something I'm like this is, what kind of convention is this you guys suck anyway there's no way they were gonna do something bold it's like oh like it's like putting georgia five was like their little like that was it yeah live Woo! on the edge baby have Which... a second mick ultra tonight <laughs> yeah that didn't even that that wasn't even thematically consistent though with what mullen said like okay we can't really decide between ohio state oklahoma and georgia so we're going to protocol and first thing on protocol is conference champions well if that's the case then georgia (laughs) should probably be six and not be ahead of ohio state georgia should either be four or georgia should be six but not in between them but you know whatever i mean i like it can't just be i don't know college football gives me a headache i mean it's like people are just like well, if the losses don't matter, then, you know, you can just say anybody's better, right? It's like, well, I mean, there's a balance to that. Like, sure. And that's yeah. why I got, I, I got that, like, all day uh, via Twitter and, and Facebook and whatever after my column was like, well, then why do we even play the games? We play the games to see who the best teams are. And sometimes the second best team loses to the first best team in a great game. It doesn't mean because they lost, they're not one of the four best teams and they've got to go outside the top four. We play the games to watch them play each other head-to-head and see two good teams play. And, yes, one of them's going to lose. Doesn't make them a bad team. Makes the teams that played easier schedules look better because they didn't have to play Alabama. There's all this, like, you can't have if – if this happened, it can't be in. You don't deserve a shot. Like, why? <laughs> I know. That's... Why? Because a bunch of voters in 1936 invented this thing? Like, why Yes. Not? I don't know. That's why. So Two I, losses. Didn't win the I, championship. I prefer analytics and and uh, and a set system to the eye test, but uh, losing the way Georgia lost to Alabama is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Every single person who follows college football thought more of Georgia at the end of the game than they did at the beginning of the game. Exactly. Everyone from yeah. Vegas to to anybody else, everyone was like, damn, Georgia is good. And they congratulate, you know, you're that's good. You're now not, you're down. Like <laughs> so whatever. They're never gonna they're never gonna rock the boat. I mean, they couldn't even find it in their heart to move UCF to seven. So <laughs> In their just, greedy, miserly little Power Five heart. It's just, it's just not happening. Um, you know, and you know, how about, you know, I heard Kirby Smart. He's all over TV. He's all, ah, we're getting screwed and all this. 
the punt, the fake punt. Uh, yeah. 3.04 left in a tie game. Yeah, uh, fourth and 11. How many running plays you got that go for 12? And what was that play? Well, it was it was supposed to be a pass. Uh, but, I mean, look, that play was so wrong on so many levels, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it was just terrible. You have, first of all, distance, 11 yards, long-ass way. Secondly, tie game, all right? You're not losing. You're not in a desperate situation. You're at midfield. You punt it. You pin them down there. You pin Jalen Hurts down there. And their team, with what, less than three minutes left, with a bad kicker, and you know what? The longer a game goes against a team with a bad kicker, the better off the team with the good kicker should be. And then the kicker, the 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 capper to me was Alabama kept their defense on the field. They went punt safe, as coaches call it, which means they're protecting against a fake. As soon the 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 football rule is if the other team leaves the defense out there, if you've got a fake on, it's called off. Automatic check. You're out of it. Kirby doesn't check out of it. They don't check out of it. And then he blames the snapper for not getting the snap off on time. Bad move. Yeah. The single worst big game decision I've ever seen strategically in my entire career. I'm sure there's been worse play calls, like in the hundreds of games that I've gone to and everything like that. But in a big time moment with high stakes, I have never seen a more confounding decision. This is Kirby Smart's Pete Carroll moment. Like, this is a, like, defining, how could you possibly do that? Like, I'm still, so I was home Saturday, I texted a bunch of coaches, and the one who put it best was, he was like, it would be like splitting twos against a 10 in blackjack. (laughs) It just (laughs) made, it just, yeah, it just made no strategic sense at all. Like, there was not one, the only coach who, like, semi, like, tried to rationalize it to me was like, well, they must have just thought Jalen Hurts could move the ball. And I was like, no offense to Jalen Hurts. He was a great hero and everything like that. But he's no sure thing. Like, we saw that for two quarters in the in the SEC game last year. And it wasn't like they were cutting through them like a hot knife through butter. Like, it was a 16-play drive that set up that first touchdown pass, which was a heck of a throw by Jalen Hurts, by the way. But he had to roll right with a guy chasing him, and he fit it through, like, the window the size of a pencil head to get it to Jerry Judy. So it wasn't like it was – it wasn't like it was one of these deals in these Big 12 games where you're like, well, if they get the ball back, they're going to score and we're going to win. Um, at that point, if it was a pass play, I got an idea. Why not throw from that? Like, if you really want to go, why not throw from out there? But there is, it is absolutely unequivocally inexcusable. I just wish Kirby Smart had said, look, it's my fault. I sent in the wrong call. And they, I like just completely fall oh, on no, the they sword. They never take the blame. When, yeah. When, no. yeah no. Like, and again, none of us are really going to sit here and claim to be like the the world's foremost experts on like punt fail and punt safe and everything like that. But you know what their defense looked like? Four dudes on the line, three linebackers there. And there aren't a lot of people going fourth and 11s when there's a conventional defense sitting in front of them. So anyway, I could do a whole podcast on how just preposterous that call was. It was simply the worst. Worst play call I've ever seen was the Patriots at the Colts when they just did the fake, uh, fake punt. punt and they had just, they just oh, had a center man. and a two guys. Yeah. And there were two I Patriots. I think we did do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> okay. So the two Patriots are standing right there and they're going to 
it's like, and everyone's laughing. I was in the press box at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, and everyone starts laughing. Like, what is this? What is this? Everyone's like, oh. and then they snap it. <laughs> the Patriots are like, I guess we'll tackle them. Like, what is this? Is this a trick? You have no blockers. Like, yeah. they tackled them in like half a second. It was, and it was like, what are you doing? And it was a classic. It was like. Classic, like Alabama, right? Of course they go in the right phone. They, they're already they're already overthought and realize Kirby might go crazy. So we'll just put the fake punt. We'll guard yeah. against the fake punt, even though no one. They they went into this shift expecting the Patriots to get all confused. And the Patriots just shifted like like they, you know, just they knew it was coming, right? Like they just, boom, everyone gets right in position. They got it all defended. Like, yeah, you ain't going to beat us on this. And they run it anyway. So that was the – and then – Afterwards, I mean, I am not even kidding. I have never heard this in all the games I covered. The entire press box was just laughing. People were <laughs> laughing and going, what? Like, everyone's screaming, like, what is that? There were scouts from other teams. Like, just not just the wise-ass media. It was like, this is the – that's the crazy – and then uh, – who the heck was the coach of the Colts then? Uh, uh, Pagano. Chuck Pagano. Pagano, yeah. He blames it on the uh, – on. Yeah. Uh, on the uh, on the snap, he wasn't supposed to snap it. Oh, right. Well, then, why'd you line him up that why way? Why did he snap it? Yeah, he was supposed to snap. It was so bad. Uh, anyway, that this that, was this is second. Second. But this is a little bigger game. That was a regular season yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. And that the one thing too, I I, 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 I give me a thirty second screed here on this is coaches now when they make these terrible gambles, it's the, the the rationalization is always we're trying to win the game, we're trying to win the game. That's what Kirby said. We're trying to win the game. Well, sometimes you win the game by doing the smart thing and not the ridiculous, reckless, crazy gamble thing. A lot of times you do that. And it's, it's become this crutch, this fallback, because then a lot of the dumbass fans and people that gamble that love to hit on 16 and when they're playing blackjack will be like, oh, yeah, you got you to roll the dice, man. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. Well, yeah, you go for it when it's going to has a good chance of working to your advantage, not when it's just suicide. This was suicide. Yeah, it was bad. There was a, a one more Patriots story. I don't know why the Patriots keep getting mentioned on this podcast, but they early in Brady's career, Belichick, they called a fake uh, pl- some play, and they had a someone like a wide receiver throw a pass, and it got intercepted. And they're sitting the next week in the in the uh, film room, and, and Belichick just declares to the team, to the uh, coaching staff, as long as Tom Brady is here, he's the only you know mf'er who's going to throw the. <laughs> Why are we taking the ball out of this guy's hands? And they didn't run one for like 12 years. And then they did it in the playoffs um, uh, to beat Baltimore. But yeah, it's like, what, what is this? this the punter's going to complete a 12 yard pass. <laughs> Holy cow. Anyway, uh, all of this, by the way, could have been solved by my playoff proposal. We could have just had Oklahoma play Georgia. We could have had Ohio state play. Uh, Notre Dame. We could have seen if UCF could beat Clemson, and we would have had Washington actually play a game that someone saw, rather than the crowds of hundreds that huddled for warmth in uh, Santa Clara. Well, Dan, d- don't underestimate them. They booed so lustily yeah, they- at the end of that game for Larry Scott <laughs> that you really can't discount the numbers because they were unified. By their hatred of the ineptitude in the Pac-12 office. It so, really was good. True. And the, the yeah. game ended on a blown call. Yes. It was like oh, yeah. Pac-12 football, everyone. Yeah. Like, you, you could Half not empty hear. stadium, 10-3 game with yeah. no offensive touchdowns, <laughs> controversial officiating, and Larry Scott gets booed. 
2018 yes. in the <laughs> you you also like you couldn't even hear larry scott they were booing him so loudly yeah it, it really was just, were i mean it was cinematic to be it honest. was excellent was, booing excellent that was like booing. the movie that we would make about like the like the spiral <laughs> of the pac-12 everyone wants to see the disney movie of jalen and tua no 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 we want to see that we want to see the the pac-12 movie that ends with larry scott like we're making <laughs> reservoir dogs here, yes. baby. Yes. yes. Cannot. Yeah, it was It was really great. Uh, good job by uh, the fans out there. Uh, <laughs> Both of I you. don't know how you made that much noise because I saw that, that thing. <laughs> so, uh, look, the fans are screaming at Larry Scott. The Ohio State fans are, are just apoplectic right now. Um, you know, 12 and 1, we, we, <laughs> sixth. I mean, we're not even close at this point. Um, James Franklin, the Penn State coach, came out Sunday, said, as a conference, we have to look at what we're doing. Uh, he, he brought up that we play nine conference games, other play eight, and they're talking about putting two of them in the playoff. We're playing nine. Um, he obviously shot at the SEC, uh, but he notes three years in a row we've been left out. That's really the champion. I, I think there's all sorts of people angry, but again, you have the leadership of the sport is collecting their checks. And I, I don't think there's, they're just sitting, I don't think Larry Scott, I don't think it's even dawned on him that he ought to try to get in a playoff and actually have his teams matter. I mean, the, the Pac 12 is just obsolete. The Big Ten sitting there, well, we don't ever get in, but what, you know, oh well. I got uh, Jim Delaney doesn't care. Um, I think the fans, the coaches, the media are all focused on this, but I don't think leadership uh, cares much. I know you kind of wrote, Pete, about, you know, could this change anything? Yeah. Uh, do you think there's I, any I impetus with these guys? I certainly didn't want to be Pollyannish about it, right? Like, yeah, it no, you it, didn't. You didn't it, write it, it that it way. It wasn't like, oh, controversy, change. But in reality, that's kind of what happened in 2011. Like, the rest of the guys got together and they were like, all right, We've been fuddy duddies about this whole playoff thing. Let's get Delaney. Let's get Delaney in the circle here and and, and talk him uh, and talk him on board. But the the problem with the playoff and even playoff expansion now is they created this clunky system with bowls because of existing television contracts that Delaney brokered kind of behind everyone's back with the Rose Bowl, and then Slive and Bob Bowlesby quickly countered that by getting the Sugar Bowl contract, and they extended them out forever. And they're basically like, and I used this analogy the other day on the podcast, so forgive me for going back again. They're like, we're going to do snow angels in our piles of money in our conference offices, and the rest of y'all can just kind of go buzz off while we, uh, while we continue to, uh, you know, remember like in McDonald's when you were a kid, they had those like ball things in the playground yeah. you can dive in. Like I'm pretty sure they have those in Birmingham where they just like jump in and swim through piles of cash because that's what the, these games are. Essentially, the games impeding progress are also the most profitable. So it, it was interesting in talking to some people who've dialed in on this on Saturday night, like in terms of how could you push things forward, but yet still nod to all these great moneymakers. Like no one's going to be, you know, the SEC title game has now been what you were there, Pat. You probably saw it. How many years now? It's probably been like 17, 18 years, right? What, that it's been going on? Yeah. Oh, it started in 92. Yeah, oh, okay. The first one, Legion Field, Birmingham. Yep. Okay, so, so it's been yeah, so twenty six years. Yeah, yeah so it's you, great. You got a, it's a great event. Yeah, no, you got a quarter century of money making. You're not going to give it up. It, it, yeah, we've talked about this, but like nobody's giving up their slice of the cookie. So you have to be creative enough if you're going to grow this thing to do that. And what one person who was familiar with everything told me Saturday, he, he 
said generally, like, they've been pretty good at sitting back and evaluating it every year as it's gone and, and taking, like, a long look at it. And one of the quotes was, this season invites an inquiry in a way that previous years didn't. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to go change, but um, – and then another one said, if Georgia gets in, that could certainly create another conversation. Um, Georgia obviously didn't get in because of those the, are, the, those the beige are, corduroy. Yeah, those are AD quotes. A conversation. <laughs> Gee, we're gonna honestly, have, we're not gonna do anything, but we're gonna have a conversation. Well, this could we could have a conversation. Here. Well, if it was an NCA official's quotes, they'd say we'd form a subcommittee to have a conversation <laughs> to, yeah. to set it up. Um, there's a possible outcome where three of the five power conferences aren't in, and that's a that's a big deal. Uh, I thought of you actually, Dan, on on Saturday night, as I do most Saturday nights. Actually, yeah, of course. And um, <laughs> it was it was this point which I thought was particularly salient, which I of course buried in my in my column. Um, it was basically that these conference title games now have a ton of actual monetary value. I think we looked it up on the podcast last week. It was like $30 million, the Big 12 one's worth, um, which is that. That's a heck of a check. Nobody's giving that up, right? But in competitive value, they're very low. So it's like, how do you increase the competitive value of these games yet undercut them. So one interesting theory that was floated around was like, you still have the Big Ten title game, and you still have it in Indianapolis, and you can go celebrate yourself in Atlanta or empty stadium in the Bay Area or wherever, but could you, could you eliminate divisions and have a conference championship game and you say you have your five power five leagues and then invite the next five highest ranked, or I guess then you'd have to create, what, two more games to get to eight? And then you invite teams to pair up am i making any sense dan is looking at me through his cbs reading glasses like <laughs> so that would essentially what i'm essentially doing is creating a 16 team playoff while keeping the conference championship right. games and adding a few man that, that sense. sounds like my man mike I mean, you could just have you year. could have an 18 playoff after the yeah. conference championship games okay you yeah, can right. do that they just sit there and say they don't want to i think it would be better without it but whatever uh they want to do it do it i i just think that you know, the easiest path is th- last last weekend was just a weekend of frustration and it, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But if you want to do this, go ahead, have an 18 playoff. I just think that there is massive, again, disconnect between the actual customers and the people on the ground and the guys who wear the suits. And they're just sitting there saying and it's the same thing with what we talked about earlier. Heck, we're not taking any risks. We don't take risks. I can't even they can't even believe this is working. <laughs> it's like, do you understand we have a business here that pays us millions of dollars and we don't play pay the workers or taxes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And all we're Pretty gonna do is gig. spout off. We've actually sold these loons on the idea of like amateurism is a virtue. <laughs> like it's like, are you kidding me? This is still working? <laughs> at, at the risk of interrupting Wetzel's book proposal for Death to the BCS Part Two, um, or Death to the College Football Playoff, actually that'd be pretty good, Dan. You can you can get yeah. a you can get a series going. Um, I feel like Whatever. this would be the time where Bill Hancock, who was like the old shill who used to defend the the BCS, and then he's now the playoff shill. So now he says how great it is. Like talk about a guy who's just blown with the wind, whichever way his paychecks sending him. Um, he used to send out these like fake poll results, like eighty three percent of Americans are in favor of the current poll system. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I used to love. We those. had a whole chapter on that. Yeah, right. he, like, we went he, into like, the. We yeah. went into the thing and we got Nate Silver to analyze the polls because they were so. It was like 
Oh, we got like 13 people in uh, yeah. Sheboygan filled out the back of a Cracker Jack box. That's how we got the like the questions weren't worded right. It was always yeah. like, yeah, give him credit. It was like fake news before it was really popular. So, oh, my God, those things were great. He had yeah. a bunch of stuff. Yeah, because you write these negative things and then he'd try to it, it, like assault you with these statistics. And I would just laugh like, yeah. like no. No, no, like that is not any human I interact with feels that fans way. really want this. Like yeah. what? Like, honestly, if we still have the BCS, Notre Dame isn't in. Oh, like, right. No, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is way. Let's make sure we get that point out there. This is better than the BCS. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, and, and they got to come up like, all right, should Georgia get in or Oklahoma? It's a fair right. argument. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. You know, it's not something that you, you go burn your house down over it. It's, it's OK. I mean, you know, it. Georgia lost out. I would have put them in. That's okay. It's fine. Everybody moves on. Then Georgia will go play in some other lucrative bowl. And speaking of which, and being out of touch with the customers and the consumers, do you see what the tickets are for Michigan, Florida, and the Chick-fil-A Bowl? The Chick-fil-A Bowl. This is Michigan, Florida. This is not exactly, you know, Oklahoma and uh, Alabama. $160. Yeah, no one's buying them for that. $160 for the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Come on. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, and obviously, much like you guys, very lucky to have a job where this is my profession. And yeah. been been busy today, calling around a little bit, trying to write some stories, whatever. I don't even know who's in the other bowls because it really doesn't matter. Like, right. a, Pat, you and I thing. write a lot of stories. Like, are we going to write any stories about any other bowls in the next month, other than previewing them and whatever? But like, of are we going to are, are we going to spend a, any significant percentage of our work hours? on the other bowls other than like maybe we'll do a podcast breaking them down or whatever but like other i would than, think it's like a 95 percent to five percent like other game. than the the you know award-winning bowl dash and the soon-to-be award-winning bowl podcast no none yes yes i've alerted the pulitzer committee already in advance yeah you know good just to let, good i mean you you are aware that louisiana tech plays hawaii <laughs> in the hawaii bowl all right there's San no Diego charity. State. There's no charity involved there that you're going to insult them. <laughs> Ohio versus San Diego State in the Frisco Bowl. Yeah, yes. baby. Who's in the Who's in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery? What do we got there? It's usually App State. Yeah, <laughs> yes. App State. It's yeah. usually a belt team. All right. So here is one stat that I also think is is part of why there's a little bit of a backlash. Ohio, uh, Notre Dame is in the playoff. Uh, there have been 40 playoff bids. They are the 10th school to earn one. Just 10. We're five years into this thing, and 10 schools have made it. Alabama has made it all five years. Clemson, four. Oklahoma, three. Ohio State, two. Notre Dame has one, uh, as does Georgia, Washington, Michigan State, Oregon, and Florida State way back when. It's the same teams. And, and, like, only three Big Ten teams. And, like, you know, it's, like, the same teams. Like, at what point is this, like, all right, what are we doing? And I actually wanted to ask you about this, Pat. Like, I think this feeds on itself, right? Like, you're recruiting, and you're trying to go down there for the Big Ten, and you're down south, and you're like, hey, you know, come play for us. We can go to the – go win a national championship. You come up here to Wisconsin or something like that or Michigan. And then, and then Clemson and, and Alabama and Georgia, they're like, you can't make the, you can't even make it up there. You won't even make the playoffs. So I had to ask this because you, your daughter, Brooke, uh, incredible swimmer. If you don't know, uh, one of the top swimmers in, in the country, she goes to Stanford. 
when she was choosing Stanford, now there was a million reasons to choose Stanford, but how much was it like, we're going to win. And if you don't go here, or like, there's only a couple schools to win, right? Yes. Like, if, if there's only a few schools that can win this thing every year, of course they're going to keep reloading because the kids are going to say, I'm not taking a risk on Wisconsin. Big Ten can't get in if they're Ohio State. How the heck is Wisconsin ever getting in this thing? Sure. No, it's the powers consolidated in the hands of the few within the few conferences that have the power. So it's, it is a sport that, to me, yes, it's becoming even more centralized in the hands of just a cluster of programs. And, I mean, maybe – Somebody will come along or some bodies and, and kind of will have a sea change, but I think it'll probably take, you know, a Saban to retire, you know, and then does Dabo Swinney go to Alabama? You know, we'd have to have some real, like, seismic shifts, I guess, of who's leading these programs for, for there to be a real breakup, I think, of the power cabal at the top. I, I mean, I think these these schools have uh, have kind of, as you said, they've, they've got a great recruiting pitch. They've got every facility known to man. Uh, they've got the best coaches. They've got, they spend the most money. They have 19 gazillion analysts to tell them all what to do on fourth and 11, except for the ones at Georgia, apparently. Um, and Wasn't so, yeah, a terrible fake field goal in the LSU game. Yes. Yeah. Early. I think like their first possession, Georgia's yeah. first possession. Kirby's it, what I remember about it. And I'll have to go back and look it up. Um, was, it was not like a fourth and two fake field goal. It was like a fourth and eight. You know, it was. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, okay. It would have been a forty-six yarder. It's fourth and two. You know, like try to jam it up the middle and surprise them. It was like, it was. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and it was a flip it over the head to the kicker. Yeah, was, it was a, sort of the Les Miles Memorial one. He was not the <laughs> Kansas coach then. Maybe it was like their sign, like they wanted Les back as bad as we did. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think that the recruiting, the recruiting deal is not. Is, is is such an advantage now for the SEC. I mean, they're they're going to have a heyday over the over this with the Big Ten, and the Big Ten has to go down there and get players. And it isn't easy when you're not in the playoff every year, and and you're basically you know you're, it's hard to get that elite player um, to to take that shot. So anyway, there's a lot of tumult, um, but this is what we got. It's better than it has been, and uh, and we're going to go for it. All right, the uh, time for the small sample Heisman. We give out a Heisman here each week uh, if it was just based on one week of the season, and now there's really not much time left. Uh, but who won the Heisman this week? We'll start with you, Pat. If you guys don't both agree with me, then I'm just I'm going to quit this podcast because there's only one choice, and it's Jalen Hurts. Don't agree with him. Don't agree with him. <laughs> Good. I was. Glad. I didn't know what he was going to say, and I'm glad. I actually don't agree with him because then I would have to scramble and Google some other guy's yeah. stats. Which no, I. You guys are going to miss me. You're going to miss me on this podcast. I'm telling you. No, come on. <laughs> Look, what Jalen Hurts did is is it's beyond Hollywood. It, it you can't even possibly construct that storyline in the same stadium where he lost his job and his career looked like it was left for dead. He comes back and goes full circle and does for. Alabama and Tua what Tua did for Alabama and Jalen the year before coming off the bench in a dire situation and leading them back to beat Georgia in a game it looks like they have lost he's seven out of nine throwing the ball he throws for a touchdown he runs the ball five times for 28 yards on his surgically reconstructed ankle that just got fixed up like a month ago and scores the winning touchdown there unbelievable attitude from this guy uh you know to persevere 
you know, and nothing against guys that do transfer out necessarily. You got to make your own decisions, but he easily could have stuck it out and was rewarded in a way that's just epic, really, for him to be in that position. So Jalen Hurts is the small sample Heisman winner. Whoever y'all are promoting is bogus. (laughs) Pat, uh, are you getting soft on us? I mean, I, I thought I thought I saw you tearing up there. <laughs> Come on, I'm going with Daryl Mack Jr., freshman quarterback from UCF. He took over the, the the sad story from last week. Obviously, the horrific injury to Mackenzie Milton. It sounds like he's doing better. I read he was going to be on the sideline for the game. I was flipping back and forth. I didn't see him. I did watch Daryl Mack take a blowtorch to what remained of the Memphis defense in a 56-41 victory. And look, if you think this UCF train is slowing down, you didn't flip over to that game as much as I did because old Daryl Mack had the boys rolling. 348 passing, uh, two touchdowns, 59 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Uh, That sounds like a six-pack, and we can all relate to that. So uh, (laughs) Mack the knife, on with the Mack. Dario Mack, I look forward to you putting up ridiculous stats for the next three years. Uh, That's like the sub-nice quarterback sub-story of the week. Okay, yeah, that's the, this, that's fair. No hallmark endorsement, but it was it was a yeah, heck, this of, is a, the, heck this, of a performance. This is a Heisman, not the hallmark pack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my Fun. small sample Heisman is going to Trey Brown, Oklahoma, for his sack safety of Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger. First off, changed the game, gave OU I think a five point lead and the ball. It was a stop. They got the ball. They go down for a touchdown. They uh, win the game, win the win the thing. It was also a defensive play, and I think a what the committee watching. They were they were reinforced the idea the OU defense, as bad as it has been, can make some plays. And I thought the moment they got that safety, I said Oklahoma's going to playoff. It's done. These guys are all sitting around in their little hotel, and they're going, "Oh, look at this defensive play." It was over right then as long as Georgia didn't win, which I didn't think at the time they would. Uh, they ended up making it much closer. So, uh, to me, that's uh, that's worthy of a Heisman. Good job, Trey Brown. My only problem is you didn't do horns down. Uh, <laughs> you would have been up for man of the year. Would have been up for man of the year. But <laughs> Trey Brown, Heisman. Uh, all right. Uh, we have said lots of mean, nasty things on this podcast today. Uh, we're going to try to end it with something nice. Uh, Pete. Say something nice. I'm going to say something nice about Fresno State in a. Oh, that was going to be mine. Ah, sorry. Uh, (laughs) No, go ahead. Go ahead. In a classic snow globe situation where the blue turf turned white in Boise, Fresno went there and won 1916 in overtime. Uh, Just a really miraculous job that Jeff Tedford has done there. He took over a one-win team two years ago. They finished 11-2, 7-1, Mountain West champions, uh, nationally ranked. I'm not sure where they ended. Did they end up in the playoff rankings? I didn't didn't see. 21 or 20? Uh, 21. Good for for them. College football is fun when Fresno is frisky and Fresno is back with alacrity. (laughs) Somewhere Pat Hill smiles and his mustache crinkles. I I just want to say this. I was going to mention the Mountain West, too, and Fresno. <laughs> so I think, that, I mean, the idea that all three of us, terrible human beings, we're going to say something <laughs> nice about the same thing is like. It must dude, be a really nice thing. 
bust out the holy water like the, the, the circles of hell are going to engulf the earth. Like, this is a sign. Holy cow. I love that game. I'm going to say something nice about them because it was like, I just love the game. Yeah. First off, there was snow, which should be mandated for any Mountain West championship game. They should have snow blows, like snow machines, like the the snowmaker, like you have at the ski resorts. Yeah, blowing if, it if, out. If of. not, I don't care where they play this thing. Shoot the snow in the air. It should snow all the time. I, it was miserable. The fans in the stands, there was barely any. It just was a miserable day. The Fresno band looked like they all went to a grocery store before the game and got the same uh, bag <laughs> over their head to, like, stay dry. Uh, and the whole game was, like, just a slog fest. Tons of, like, clutch tackles and things. I love that game. It was a great game. Fresno won. Jeff Tedbert's don't go anywhere. We need yeah. we need Fresno to be good. I'm with Pat. I mean, Pete and Pat, I guess. Uh, I want you just every December – First Saturday night, I want you freezing up in some ugly title game on the blue turf. <laughs> That'd be so great Pat, if they, don't... they dictated the site of the conference title game by the most inclement weather to, to yeah, draw yeah. viewership. That would be exact really opposite we of call Craig Thompson and ask him if that's feasible because I think that would be great. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want you know we're inside of a dome or where where he got palm tree. No, I want that. I want the Fresno band to all catch pneumonia. Pat. What, are you going to change your opinion because you're on the wrong side because we're all happy for something? No, I'm, no, no. I'm joining you in the love fest for the Mountain West, but I did find something else out there that I can at least uh, say something nice about. Uh, Iowa State had their opener canceled by storms. Looking around for a 12th game. Scheduled Division Three Drake from within their <laughs> conference. Within, uh, not, not Division Three. I'm sorry, FCS but they're like one triple A, I'm pretty sure. He's uh, a good singer. Drake. He's got good music. That good was song. not nice about Drake, by the way. <laughs> Whatever songs. Drake is. Whatever Drake is. Yeah, he's got good music. And apparently he has a university <laughs> in Des Moines. Uh, it's the Raptors farm team. Yeah, so they, I mean, they played him. You know, it's cool. I mean, Drake's like 30 minutes away from Ames. So you have your nice little backyard scrap, scrap. And lo and behold, it was actually a pretty good game. It was 27 to 24. Uh, first time they'd played since 1985. And uh, they, the fans of Iowa State got to see one more home game. Drake got a, probably a nice little check, and they didn't get run out of the stadium. So good for uh, Iowa State and for Drake for getting together and playing a little game. And also good for Fresno State, which was stolen out from under me. I believe this Can I chip in on Drake quickly? Uh, I have yeah, to give oh, Sam, yeah. Sam Cooper, our blogger, a lot of credit. Drake was up early in that game, and he tweeted out a screenshot of the score, and he said, God's plan. And I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I uh, I also think this is the first time all three of us were actually said something nice. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, there Pat wasn't even take any. take a little like, dig at Drake. Like, there was a slight dig. Yeah, yeah there was a little bit of Drake digging. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. We'll have to work on that, though. I, I, I think people are going to stop listening if we're too nice. So, I yeah. know. All right. We will not be nice anymore. All right. We'll be back uh, on Wednesday for uh, – uh, uh, discussion of whatever that's going on. Coaching carousel. We got Army, Navy. We're going to find stuff. Heisman, yeah. animal attacks. Oh, we, yeah. Don't worry. Don't Coach worry, fights. people. Yeah. Don't worry. We're going to be here for you. Recruiting mayhem. I don't care. We're not going anywhere. So subscribe uh, and uh, 
leave us a nice review. We got the contest and all that. Uh, we'll deal with. We're gonna we giving we out a more stuff bunch. on Wednesday. New koozie c- candidates. I right. I checked. We got some good ones. Yeah. So if you want the koozie uh, and the t-shirt, you got to really bring it. So get over to the uh, iTunes review section. And this one, this is big. We're going to reveal the location and the details of the live show in the greater San Jose area the Friday before the title game. So you can either hope your team makes the title game or you can live in San Jose or somewhere out there or you can just come anyway. Because this on. is going to be probably it's going to be better than most bowl trips. Don't waste your money on a bowl trip. <laughs> just come to our show. But we'll tell you where on Wednesday. So, I mean, the anticipation is going to be unbelievable. Cut, you know, cut the tension and excitement with a knife, right? I don't know. Anyway, that's all we got today. Uh, talk to you guys later.